It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Amy Winkle. I am the rector here at Emmanuel, and so thankful that we get to worship together this morning. Before we jump into the text, um, I have a couple of things that I would like to mention as well. First being celebrating that Jenny is back with us today. Yay, Jenny's here. Um, So I am not alone in wearing a collar, which is lovely. Um, But no, but just so thankful to have Jenny Seibel, our associate priest, here with us Um, again. She has been uh, resting for the last couple of months, and we're so thankful she has had some time away just to rest and to be restored in the Lord, um, and glad to have her back with us. Um, I was saying that I felt a sigh of relief this week just to, to know that she is here with us um, and ministering in our, in our congregation, and then we'll get to, to hear from her as well from the pulpit really soon, so thankful for that. The second thing um, is, and you've probably heard this mentioned elsewhere, but I will mention it again very awkwardly, that uh, Tuesday... Um, November the 14th at 7 o'clock here, our bishop, bishop will be here um, to install me as the rector. Um, so excited for that time together, yes. Um, and so, yeah, just really, really looking forward to this time as in our community as we've been reading through the liturgy. It's, it's just really beautiful of um, a way to mark a new season and for it to be like a communal um, moment for us. And so if you are able to be here, um, I, we hope that you are able to, to be here and to participate because it's going to be a, a fun time. And there will be cheesecake and champagne. So um, if for nothing else, come for that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we look forward to that time together. We are continuing our study in the book of Matthew this morning. We're gonna, we are in Matthew chapter 23. We'll start in verse 1 and go to verse 12, and then we will pray. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love, to, they love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we pray, God, that you would enliven our hearts and our minds through your Holy Spirit, that we might hear your word come to us, Lord, and hear what you may desire to say to us. God, I thank you for this church and for the, just the ability to celebrate together. And so be with us, God, um, in this time. 
and in your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this passage is coming on the heels of the ones we've been talking through the last couple of Sundays where we've seen um, the Pharisees and, and scribes, other religious leaders, coming to Jesus and, and challenging him on certain points around the law or around other things um, and, and like trying to get him to answer maybe in ways that would get him into trouble. And Jesus then pushing back on them and, and kind of trying to get them to be self-reflective about their lives and about kind of what, what's happening in their own hearts and their own minds. When we um, switch to, to verse, uh, so chapter 23, get into chapter 23, it's like we're kind of coming on the heels of that. Like Jesus has been having those conversations. And now he is turning to talk to the crowds and to his disciples. And so the Pharisees and the scribes and those may still be around, um, but he's not talking to them in this particular part. He is now talking to the others who are around and he has something to say. He has an, a warning to issue. And so he says this, starting in verse 2. He says, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. Now, this is interesting. The reality is, is what the Pharisees and the scribes are teaching is actually true. Because the meaning of them saying that they sit on Moses' seat means that they are, are uh, teaching from the law. They're teaching what they have been taught, what the Lord has given to the people of Israel as truth. And so the problem here is not what they're teaching, but how they are actually living it out or lacking to live it out even. They're not following their own teaching and so what Jesus says is he encourages them to listen to them, listen to their teaching, and follow what their teaching says, but not follow how they are actually living, the Pharisees are actually living themselves. Don't follow the way that they live their lives, is what Jesus is telling them. And it's unfortunately true that you can teach something and not actually live it out. That you can say one thing and then do another. And this is a great and sad irony. And the place that the, the Pharisees and the scribes have found themselves in. This place that they've gotten themselves into. Where they're not allowing the teachings that they're saying from their own mouths to actually penetrate their hearts and their minds and their souls in such a way that they are transformed. Instead, it just kind of gets stuck and stops here and doesn't really get into them. And so Jesus continues to lay out kind of where they've gone wrong. Like, okay, if they're, they're not following, they're teaching, but they're not following it. And so what does that look like? And so he describes it this way. He says, they lay burdens on people that are too much to bear. And don't, they don't try to lift them off. They're more concerned with their outward appearances and what people think of them than what's actually happening on the inside. He gives this description of the broad phylacteries and the long fringes, which to us were like, what in the world, you know? Um, but phylacteries were actually a way to follow covenant um, out of Deuteronomy, where God says to write the prayers on your hearts and on your minds. And so they would have these long prayers that would be like um, attached to them, literally attached to their body, to their foreheads or, or maybe to their arm. And they like literally carried these prayers around with them. And yet, it's outward, Jesus says. 
It's not getting into, into them, into who they are. And these fringes are a way of like showing their, their righteousness. And yet, Jesus says, they're not living as they're teaching. And he says that they want to have the seats of honor and places of privilege to be treated with respect. So what is the issue here? The issue is with the way that they are yielding this power that they have. They are, these are the religious leaders of the day. And therefore, by way of their position, they have a sense of power and influence in the peop- in, in, within, among the people. And yet, they are not yielding that power in a faithful way. It's their posture and their lack of humility and repentance. So then Jesus goes on to contrast this with those who should, what it should look like for those who follow him. There's like several times he says, but I say to you, you are not to do this. You are not to worry about these titles and what they might represent. That they somehow like give you um, a place of honor and privilege um, that, that then can be exploited. It's not about looking for the place of honor or getting wrapped up in being given special treatment, Jesus is saying to them. Instead, he says, the greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. And so here's what I think this passage has to say to us. That Jesus is calling us as his disciples to live a different way. And that is a life of servant leadership. Now, the reality is, it's not Jesus is saying there won't be leaders, but instead he's speaking into this sense of what a leader looks like when you are following in the way of Jesus. That they don't look like the Pharisees and the scribes. And the reason that they don't look like the Pharisees and the scribes is because they have taken on the attitudes and the mannerisms of the world around them, and of those who actually oppress them. So if you think about where they, where they sit right now, they're sitting under Roman oppression. And so the reality is, for these religious leaders, that they themselves are under a form of power that oppresses and dehumanizes them, that puts weight and pressure on them, that puts the emphasis on looking important, that demands seats of honor and privilege that come with position. And instead of doing something different themselves, what they have done is to then internalize those, those ways of being and turn them on the people that they are leading themselves. Instead of, instead of choosing to do something different, they instead are, are like perpetrating what they are dealing with themselves. And the reality for the, this reality for these religious leaders can actually be true of each of us as well. That when we assume leadership or influence, or influence in the life of others, it is difficult to not in turn do what we have seen done around us or what has been done to us. To take on the power structures around us. Because the reality is, and this is the part we have to be so self-reflective on, is that power can be intoxicating. And with it can come the full force of sin and our fallenness. 
And as many of us know, the church is not exempt from this. Instead, we can become a hotbed for just this type of behavior. Unfortunately, in our day, we're seeing it play out time and time and time again of church leaders who take their position and use it to to be abusive, to create um, places that are not safe. And it's gotten to the point now, unfortunately, where we kind of aren't surprised anymore. And yet, with each uncovering, we have to wonder, like, what is going on in the church? That this is, like, not, not an uncommon thing. Why can't church always feel like a safe space? And I think it's because, like the religious leaders of Jesus' day, we can pull the forms and structures of power straight into the church and model ourselves after the world more than we model ourselves after Christ. So we in church leadership can be just as guilty of saying one thing and doing another, of putting weight and pressure on people that they are not able to bear and not trying to lift it off of them, of being more concerned with outward appearances and thereby distancing ourselves from people around us and expecting seats of honor and privilege. The temptation is to follow our fallenness and the power structures of this world that can then be just too hard to resist sometimes. And when we don't turn from it, and when we don't choose to go the way of Jesus, then accountability breaks down, abuses happen, and people get hurt. And so, let me say to those of you in the room who have been hurt by church leaders in whatever way that might have looked like. Someone who might have abused their position for their own gain and to the detriment of those that they were serving. Um, Let me just say, I am so sorry. And that we are so glad that you are here. That it takes courage to come to church again to try again. That's not something that we take for granted. That to choose to trust a Christian community again can be really hard. And so thank you for for trusting enough to come and to be here. But when I say that about we're glad that you're here, I don't say that because this church is perfect. I say it because Jesus himself is perfect. And it's he himself who can heal you. And yet many times it's in the space with other people, with other believers, that that healing can take place. And so if that is you today, if you're kind of just sort of hanging on, just barely, I just want to encourage you to continue to trust. Trust in Jesus, that he can heal you. And I pray that as a Christian community, we can be part of that. So what we see in this passage, as well as throughout Scripture, is that what it is that Jesus is calling us as believers to do is to live differently through the power of the Spirit. He calls us to be servants to one another. 
servant leaders inside and outside of the church. So wherever you or I hold places of influence, whether that be at work or at home, maybe you serve on a board somewhere, maybe you're on like your HOA, um, you know, like there could be lots of other places um, that you can have places of influence. In each of those places, we are called to hold power differently as believers and to follow Jesus' example. One of my very first classes in seminary, my, our professor told us something that has stuck with me ever since. He said, when you are in leadership, people will put you on a pedestal. And it is your job to take yourself off of it. And that can be really hard to do. But that is our call as leaders, is to realize that we are the ones that have to take ourselves off of the pedestal, that we can't believe our press too much, that we are all susceptible. And that's why we need trusted people then around us who can tell us the truth when we're not holding power faithfully. So I want to take a moment for us to just think about, like, what does servant leadership look like? How does it work itself out? And I have a couple of things I just want to mention around this, and I think we see it in this text. First of all, it is that leadership that is not domineering, that it's not about putting too much weight on those that we lead while, the, while not doing our own part. But instead, we take on the posture of a servant. And it's not even so much about the structures necessarily that are around. There are lots of different ways that, like, we might be structured as far as, like, organizationally or different things like that or even among, um, like, places that we inhabit. But the reality is it's more about how we inhabit those structures. And it doesn't mean that we're not called on to make hard decisions or make tough calls sometimes because that's just part of leadership no matter what. But what it does mean is that we regularly assume the place of a learner and being willing to listen to when others are telling us the truth instead of being quick to dismiss what other people might have to say. Be willing to listen, to consider, to be self-reflective, and to ask how the Lord may want to, to mold us and shape us. Secondly, I think it is leadership that is more concerned with our inner life than how we are um, seen as important by other people. Questions that we might ask ourselves like, am I being consistent? Is what I say that I believe actually the way that I am living this thing out? And is is Jesus, in fact, the most important thing in my life? More than like what other people think about me. Or how I might be perceived. This is a hard one, folks, right? It's easy for us to like sit in that space in our head of like, how are people thinking about me? Are they perceiving me this way or that way? More than we are thinking, is what I'm saying consistent with how I'm actually walking my day-to-day life? And is Jesus the most important thing to me? Am I willing to let him shape and mold my inner life in such a way? that I'm not the same. And then thirdly, I believe that it is leadership that is marked by a sense of humility and repentance. That it's not about what we gain or what we're able to benefit, 
but instead it's about how we can turn and serve others. When I think about people who have modeled servant leadership in my life, I was thinking about this week one, a man named H.T. Macklin, who was um, a missionary for a long time. He and his family served in Kenya and, um, and were there for, for many, many years. And then after that, they came back to the States, and he served in the higher levels of, um, of leadership in the missionary board for the United Methodists and did that for many years. And then um, founded an, a, a, his own mission or with some other people, his own mission organizations that he led for many, many years. And I say that to say um, he had a lot to be um, prideful of. He'd done a lot for the Lord in his life. And yet, those of us who knew him, knew him as a servant. And one story in particular that speaks to um, just like his posture, so to speak, his willingness to be humble, was a story that um, some of the missionaries who had served in Ghana told us one time. They were a young couple living in Ghana. They just had, they had a toddler, just had their their second baby. And H.T. had come to visit them. Um, in their home in Ghana. And so they were like working together to get the meal ready, uh, get dinner ready um, for the family. And as they were in the midst of it, another missionary from a different organization came in and and saw someone standing in the kitchen that they didn't know chopping up vegetables. And that missionary said, who's that? And our friend said, oh, well, that's just the president of our mission organization. And they said, there's no way our president would ever do that. And I say that to say it would have been really easy for a man of H.T.'s like, stature and renown to walk into that space and to think, well, I'm here to be served. Like, they, they can do the, they serve, serve me. But instead, he saw this family who was like, you know, just keeping their head above water living in a different culture, having like little babies, and said, let me serve you. Let me cut up the vegetables for dinner. And I just think about that as like the way of Jesus, the way that Jesus has called each one of us, that none of us is perfect. H.T. was not a perfect person. And we're all going to mess up sometimes. And yet, if our posture is such as of a servant and also one of humility, then we're able to acknowledge when we mess up and to also repent. When we think about this, I think it's really, really easy to think about it seeming as weakness. Like it looks like weakness in our world. And in a world that is very afraid of showing weakness... Choosing to be a servant is actually very brave because it requires vulnerability. It doesn't mean we get our way all the time. It means that we have to be willing to put ourselves in the place of serving others. And yet, isn't that the way of Jesus? Watching Jesus knowingly walk toward the cross does not expose some kind of weakness in him. And yet, instead, it shows us his strength. 
And the reality is, is as believers, no matter where we sit, no matter what our position is, we are called to follow in his footsteps. And so I want us to think about a few things as, as we sit with this idea. So I have a couple questions I want to ask you. Where are the places in your life where you are a leader or have influence in the lives of others? And how is God calling you in those places to hold power? How is he asking you to be a servant? And I just, I, I feel this very deeply as I stand here on a platform with light shining in my eyes. To say that this is who we're called to be, church. And it starts with me and those of us who are in leadership in this church. That each and every one of us is called to be servants, to serve one another, and to be faithful in the way that we hold power. And so, for you and for me today, what does that faithfulness look like? May we truly sit with the Lord and let Him talk to us about how we are inhabiting the spaces that we're in and how He would continue to call us to follow after Him. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for the ones in this room who are just hanging on by a thread and are not sure about this church thing. Lord, would you come close to them, I pray. Would you heal them, I pray, Lord. Would you show them your perfection, even in the midst of your church's imperfection? And God, for those of us who hold positions of leadership and influence, have mercy on us, Jesus. That we may choose to go your way in the power of your Holy Spirit. To not be controlled by the impulses that come with power that come out of our fallenness. But instead, God, use those gifts and use those positions to call out the image of God in other people, to build them up, to see them, to dignify them, 
to call forth the things, God, that you are doing in their lives. May we be those people, God, that instead of putting a weight on others, that we might lift it off, that we might speak peace and truth and life into those that we lead as a way of being faithful to you, Jesus. And might you, in turn, God, speak life and truth into us, we pray. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.